Darkness exists in this world. It is all too real and all too prevalent. It can surround us when we least expect it and make us feel overwhelmed. But in Christ, we have hope. Hi, this is Craig. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. We're excited to start this new series called Unshakable Hope. The Bible calls hope the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. In reality, it is that thing that latches on to the certainty of the future and the promises that God has made to us. In Him, we have unshakable hope. Enjoy the message. And one of the things that you and I know about these movies and about treasure maps is only a few people get to see the treasure map, right? And it's good as gold in your hands, but only fewer people get to see the treasure. I want you to keep this picture in your mind because as we're looking at this letter in the book of Colossians, which we know is a letter, we are going to see this word treasure. But this word treasure is throughout the Bible. And here's what I get to tell you today. We have the map. We have the map. And it's not just for a certain few to view, but all have access to the map. And better yet, all of us get to benefit from the treasure if we choose to. Amen? I want you to keep that thought in your hearts and minds as we bow our heads in prayer. God, it is good to be in your house. And God, I am so grateful. There's not just a few people that hold the treasure map, but all of us have access to it. And not only do we have access to the treasure map, but God, we are saying thank you so much that we get to have the treasure that's found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, this is... This is information that many in this room know, and yet this is information that maybe many in this room have forgotten, and yet there's still people here, God, that you know, they, they weren't even aware. So, Lord, we would pray that you would take all of our different mindsets, and through your Holy Spirit, you would, you would help our hearts and our minds to be encouraged this morning towards the things of you. Thank you for being my treasure. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, as, as I shared at the introduction, uh, a few weeks ago, we started uh, a series uh, called Unshakable Hope, which is revisiting the theme for our entire year, Unshakable Hope. How many need hope here today? I know I do. How many people do you know that need uh, hope out there? Raise your hand if you know someone that needs hope. Amen. We need this unshakable hope. And, and we have it with, with what Paul is sharing uh, to the church in Colossae. He is talking to young Christians that are new in their faith. And, and he's writing this letter, as we saw before, to encourage them, to let them know how much, uh, uh, how much encouragement he's brought them. But he's also writing this letter to warn them about some of the opposition, some of the thinking, some of the craziness that's going to be uh, infiltrating the church. And so we get to into this, but we also know what? That this is applicable to us today, isn't it? 
So I want you to look at this with fresh eyes. Today we're going to look at two major points. Number one is faith in Christ. And then number two is, 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 is living in Christ. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Faith in Christ. And we're going to go to Colossians chapter 2. And we're just going to go after this this morning. Because I got about five hours worth of material. All right, let's go. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are going to make their way down. And we're going to go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all of those uh, of you who have not met me personally, because again, he's never been there. He's in jail right now, actually, as he's writing these words. Verse 2 says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in what, church? United in love, so that they may have the full riches, the full riches, do you see that? Of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the what? Who, in whom are hidden all the what? The, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am what? I am present with you in spirit, and I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firmly you're what? Let's say that again. And how firmly your faith in Christ is. And how firmly your what? Faith in Christ is. And this is why we start off with the first point today. I didn't just grab it out of the sky. It's right here in Scripture. Faith in Christ. And so what I want to do, it's like a, a gift at Christmas. You got it all packaged up. I want us to unwrap this. What does faith in Christ look like? And again, I didn't pull this stuff out of the sky. We're going to look at it right here in this letter. Are you ready? So we're going to unpackage this. The first thing that faith in Christ looks like is found in verse 6. So then, Paul says, just as you have received... <laughs> just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, that's key, Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So, so again, we're unpackaging, we're opening up. What does it mean to have faith in Christ Jesus? You're taking notes, write this down. Number one, it's to say yes to Jesus. It's to say yes to Jesus. It's right there. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. And I have to use this moment to, to ask you the obvious question. Have you said yes to Jesus Christ? And, and more importantly, more importantly is, have you said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord? What does that mean? Again, if you're walking in here for the very first time, I'm so glad you're here. Amen, church? Let's give it up for those that are here for the first time. It takes courage to come into a crazy place like this and listen to a crazy pastor like this. But as I say it all the time, you come because if you see this guy's a pastor, it makes you feel better about your life. <laughs> but to make Jesus Christ Lord, we don't use that term. It's really European, even Lord. 
you know, lordship and kings and all that. But if you put it today, it's literally what we looked at last week. It means Jesus is number Jesus is number one of my life. He is Lord of my life. So maybe before, in my case, for the first 18 years of my life, sports was Lord of my life. Why do you say that? Because it dictated my thoughts. It dictated uh, uh, my time. It dictated my resource. And, and so, so it, I wouldn't have woke up and go, well, sports is my Lord. But really, it was, wasn't it? Because if you look at my time and my resources and what consumed my mind, that is what was priority. And so when we say yes to Jesus Christ as Lord, this is what's going to be essential to unpackaging the rest of this amazing gift that we're taking a look at. So again, I come back to, have you said yes to Jesus Christ? Now I want to tell you, we, we looked at Revelation uh, uh, 3.20 a few weeks ago, and Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door, Jesus, and knock. If anyone wants to, and here's a loose translation, if anyone wants to hang out with me, I'm ready. But the one thing that we forget about this door is there's only one handle on it. And guess whose side it's on? It's on ours, and this is why free will is so important. And as I've said before, I, you know, I wish Jesus would bash in that door in my life a lot earlier. I wish he'd bash it in some of my friends' lives that are so stinking stubborn. You might be sitting here today. But here's what's so wonderful about Jesus. He says, I want that relationship with you and I respect and love you so much that it's on you. So if you haven't opened up that door and, and, and allowed him in, why not now? Well, I haven't all got it all figured out. I still got crud in my life. And man, if he only knew about this, and man, I'm not ready to give up cussing, and I'm not ready to give up this, and I'm not, no, 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 don't worry about all that. We come to the cross as we are. We don't come to the cross all cleaned up, otherwise we don't need the cross. So you just come as you are to him, and then you and him will take care of business. And that's even for you, the Christ follower that has said yes to Christ, but maybe you've slid in away or the official term is backslidden. All right, so you've, you've slid back a little bit. Why not say yes to Jesus today as Lord? Make him number one of your mouth. Make him number one of your finances. Make him number one of your mind. Make him number one in your family, in your marriage. We... I'm just going to go sideways here. It's this time of year. Sorry, it happens every year. And it's because of this thing called time change. You guys are driving home at dark and, 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 and leaving at dark, and it's just sad and all these first. You know how many calls I get about marriages and parenting this time of year? I mean, marriages just go sideways. So if, if you're in that, I know it's hard. By the way, I'm celebrating 29 years today. I haven't even got to say hi to my wife yet. So second service, I'll, I'll, she'll love it. <laughs> Marriage is hard. Amen? But it's wonderful. Parenting's hard, but it's wonderful. Life is hard, but it's wonderful. But it's really hard if Jesus isn't Lord. 
So say yes to Jesus. And, and, then, and, then, and then it goes on and it says, uh, <laughs> as Lord, continue, continue, by the way. Continue to live your lives where? In him, not yourself. It's not like, oh, I gave Jesus you know, my life and now it's back to me. Well, if I shot straight with you a few weeks ago, if you look at my life, it's like this. And there's good time. It's like, man, sometimes Jesus is Lord and sometimes he's not. And that could even change within a day. Can we just be real and honest about that? So there, there it is. Live your life in him. Continue to live your life in him. Rooted and built in him. So if you're taking notes, first, faith in Christ looks like yes to Jesus. Secondly, it's live your life in him. So last night I got to do something really fun. Uh, someone was gracious and gave my son and I tickets to the USC Oregon game. And I'm not a USC fan. It's all about UCLA. I don't even look good in that ugly color. <laughs> but I went because I'm a Pac-12 guy and it was fun. Easton loves football and he's been watching on TV with his dad, you know, every now and then, especially college football. Can I just tell you how amazing last night was? taking my 12-year-old down to the Coliseum. That's an adventure in itself. <laughs> All right? And we get there, and it's, uh, and, and, and you know what? Just looking through my 12-year-old's eyes, seeing the Coliseum for the first time, he's only used to Dodger Stadium. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and then all the tailgating, he goes, Dad, what's going on? I said, people are getting drunk. <laughs> and they're not even going to pay attention to the game. And, and they're just everywhere, and you smell all the good food. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's just fun, and it's contagious. And then, and then we got VIP stuff, so then you have to get this bracelet, and you get it in this special elevator, and this area that I've never seen in the Coliseum. It's like there's those people, and then there's us. <laughs> and I'm always those people, but today I'm us. And it's just gorgeous. And we sit in these seats. This section's only, uh, uh, it's only the fifth game people are sitting in these seats. They're brand new, beautiful leather. And, and we're just watching this game. And Easton did not shut up the whole game. But when Easton's excited, he's talking. He's like, Dad, look at Pittman. He's off to the side, and they're going to do a route to him. Oh, look at the eye formation. You don't see that much. And I'm like, Easton, how do you know all this stuff? Thank you to video games. And, and, and then he's like, and dad, you see what's going over there? Why did they call that penalty and this and that? And I am eating this up. And he's like eating his brisket that's been smoked for 18 hours, it said. And he's like, this is so good. And bag of peanuts. And he's just going to town. You know why? Because it's different sitting in your living room watching it on TV than living it. Are you with me, my friends? How many of us are just watching Christianity and we're not living it? And the scripture here, Paul is saying, not only say yes to Jesus Christ as, as Lord, but live it. Don't just watch it in other people's lives and go, oh, I wish I could be a part of that. Let Christ dwell in your life and sit back and watch what's going to happen. The transformation and the story and the excitement and the power is not for everybody but you. It's for you too. Come on now. It's a lot different watching the game at home. 
and sitting in those seats and smelling it and feeling it and seeing the Trojan horse run around and the push-ups and the duck being knocked off to the side as the mascot of the organ. And it's different when you're there. And it's the same with Christianity, my friends. The devil would be okay with you sitting in church. Did you, did you know that? As long as it's not transforming your life as long as you're just watching. So you can check that box for another Sunday. Ooh, that's the good stuff, Paul, from prison. So, so let's unpackage this, give some more. Uh, faith in Christ looks like saying yes to Jesus. It's, it's living your life in him. And, and then it goes on to say what? In verse six, or starting in verse seven, rooted and built up, rooted and built up, there it is again, in who? In him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. There, there's a third right there. Rooted, rooted in him, built up in him. Church, I don't, I don't need to go too crazy on this because most of you lived in the valley this week. How many of you drove on Monday morning in your car? Now, some of you can't even remember what you ate for lunch yesterday, so I know I'm pressing into uncharted territory. But do you remember what it was like driving on Monday morning in the valley? Was it 60, 65 mile per hour winds? It was madness from where I live driving over here. I can't speak for the rest of the valley. But it was dodging, literally on Fallbrook, dodging palm tree branches that are falling. I mean, cars are swerving, dodging unknown objects flying through the air. It, it, was, it was pure madness in, in my mind. It was, it was crazy stuff. And again, on Fabric and Shoot, it never ceases to amaze me how many of these trees that have been here for 40, 50, 60 years fall down like major trees you know where I'm going right if the roots aren't deep and the storms come you and I are going to fall over at best but be blown to and fro at worst brothers and sisters I am a realist. I'm not a pessimist. I call myself a realist optimist. So I'm real about things positively. But the truth is, why are we so surprised at where our world is? Because this book tells me things are going to get worse before they get better. So what you and I need to do as Christ followers is we say yes to Jesus Christ as Lord. Right? And we're rooted in him. So what that means is roots don't automatically go deep on their own, do they? They go because they're fed and they're because they're watered, because they're nurtured. And when you do that, the deeper the roots go, the longer they can last during a storm. Amen? And some of us are so shallow, and I don't mean this mean, it's just true. Some of us are so shallow in our Christianity that we get any kind of struggle or any kind of storm, we're like, 
Forget you, God. Forget you, church. Forget my faith. And I don't say that like sarcastically. I say that honestly. It's like, it, it, it's like, as your lead pastor, what my encouragement is is what Paul's trying to encourage me to tell you and my own self. Church, we gotta let those roots grow deep. And that doesn't happen through osmosis. Built up in him, at least what I've learned, is it's really reading our Bibles. Built up in him means studying the Bible. It means prayer. It, it means uh, accountability. Having a women, do you, do you have a woman in your life that you could just shoot straight with? Men, do you have a person, a man in your life that you could sh- shoot straight with? It, it's, it's, it's accountability that's gonna help us grow. It's serving that's gonna help us grow. It's tithing that's gonna help us grow. It's repenting, which means changing our ways, dealing with stuff. As we do all of these things, guess what happens to our, gro- our roots? They grow deep. And again, I just learned that I can't get strong on my own. As much as I wish this body would be strong physically, and as much as I picture myself in the gym, as much as I picture myself pushing away the bad food, as much as I uh, picture myself eating the good food, it just doesn't happen. I can't watch it. I got to live it. And the same with Christianity. If we want those roots to go deep, then we've got to get disciplined like the scripture says right here. Because I want to be as strong as I can with whatever wind blows my way. How about you? And that's why Paul uses this word in in, in, in second uh, chapter of Colossians, verse five. He says, how disciplined you are. Rooted Rooted in him, not rooted in self, not rooted in finance, not rooted in success, not rooted in self-pity, not rooted in another person's life, but rooted in him. And how many of us could get up here and give testimony how we've been rooted in stuff that doesn't keep us grounded? I always joke about Jack Daniels because I don't really know the names of many others. Does that break your heart? Does that break your heart? Not only for your own life, but others' lives that are really trying to deal with some of the stuff they're dealing with. And they're doing it through medication, self-harm, relationships. What I've learned, my friends, is It's Christ and Christ alone. I hope you're being encouraged. I know I was as I was reading this this week. So it's yes to Jesus Christ. It's living your life in him. It's rooted and built up in him. And then you continue continue to read on. And in verse seven, it says rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. That's what happens when we're rooted in him. We become stronger, amen? Amen. And people, by the way, watch us, and they go, how are you doing that? And you, it's your opportunity to give testimony, right? I was just looking at somebody in the service that I, I just admire. And this couple, they're going through some, some stuff. 
but I'm so encouraged by them because, because of how they're walking through this storm. And you know why I know they can walk through the storm and how they're responding to the storm? It's because they're rooted in Christ. Thank you for being an example to this guy. It says, um, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with what, church? I don't need to talk again like I did a few weeks ago. The illustration of driving down PCH and you can look out one side of the window and see amazing things and look out the other window and see horrific things, amen? But you're still on the same path. I would just challenge you again. What window are you looking out of in life? Because I'll, 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 I'll bet this, it's not as bad as you and I think it is. I don't know if you know this, but we pray before first service and we pray before the, the service tonight. There's a group of us and you're always welcome to come. It's at 8.30 in the morning and it's at 4.30 at night. And we pray for the service and the few of us that were in there this morning, it's just, uh, we just talked about gratitude. And we were personally thankful for the, the nine people that joined our church last week. We're grateful for the Harvest Festival. We prayed for the harvest souls. That's a, that's a night where we don't celebrate Halloween. It's just an alternative to the evil that's going on out there. Do you know on this campus, on Halloween, we had over 1,000 people again? You could not find parking. We had the church next door open up their parking lot. We had people parking on the street here. We had some people parking over at Ralph's. Our parking, I mean, it was crazy. There was craziness here. But I met so, I met so many. I met three families, three specifically that said that banner is what got them here. I met countless families that you introduced me to because they're your neighbors. El Camino football team coaches in here. He had 30 plus guys here on Halloween night helping out. What were you doing when you were a teenage boy on Halloween night? You probably weren't out at church helping out. And it just, it just, it just is, it just, it just, it's just so wonderful for the soul to be grateful, amen? This is what it looks like, faith in Christ Jesus. It's not a complaining spirit. It's not discontentment, but it's, it's a, a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of contentment, amen? Then we go on. What again does it look like to have faith in Christ? Verse eight, see to it that no one takes your, what? Captive thought. <laughs> see to it that no one takes you captive through, <laughs> through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this word, world, rather than on who? All right, write this word down, aware, aware. I want to camp out here for a little bit. As you can see, this could be a four-hour, five-hour sermon easily. But remember what Paul was writing in this letter. He's so encouraged. He's so grateful for these, uh, uh, that these people that are young in their faith, Christ Jesus, but all these outsourced, outside philosophies, thoughts, um, <laughs> false teachings were impacting these young believers. So they're saying Jesus isn't enough. And throughout this letter, Paul is saying Jesus is enough. And here specifically, he says, pay attention to what? False teaching, right? Be 
aware. Don't allow anyone to deceive you with fancy talk that promises much and delivers what? Delivers nothing. Uh, Some of the things I wrote down that Paul was thinking about, he was thinking about secret knowledge. He was thinking about this whole idea. You know, you talk about treasure map. Only a few people have the treasure map was part of the Gnostic thinking. Uh, Religious festivals, he was referring to. False gods, eating and and drinking practices. Uh, The view of the physical body as evil. Um, uh, Angels uh, was one of the topics. Circumcision, uh, the law, the afterlife, the worship of angels, false humility. The list goes on and on. And if you go to Romans real quick, if you go to Romans chapter Uh, 16, he's going to say something very similar about paying attention and being aware of this false doctrine. If you go to Romans 16, verse 17, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary, that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but they're what? Their own appetites, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And then verse 20, he says, the peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. But until this happens, you need to be aware You need to pay attention. All this stuff that may even look good, that may even look godly, that may even look like Christianity, you need to keep your eyes wide open. And I say that as a leader that you look up to, well, I hope you you all have to look up to me right now. I'm up on the stage. You're down in these chairs. But, But I say that even about me or any church that you go to, you need to pay attention to what you're listening to. You need to be checking it with the word of God. And this is where I'm going to speak today, and and it's the first time I've spoken about this, really. And I'm considering a series next year on this. Because you go, what is that today? What is that in 2019? What is is the false teaching that's happening? And I've I've, I've told you about, um, you know, the health and wealth gospel and stuff, but that stuff's so old and so, so exposed, and yet it's still finds power in some people's lives, but I mean, I think that's been going on since the 70s. Uh, you could talk about the postmodern world, and, and you could talk about um, just uh, back in the day, uh, <laughs> the scientific uh, method approach, and, and you could go uh, to, um, uh, uh, McD- uh, what was it, McDowell? Josh McDowell, and, and evidence that demands a verdict, and back in the day, you know, it's all prove it, prove it, prove it, and then this postmodern time, it's all about feelings and relativism. I could get into all kinds of crazy stuff, but I want to tell you what's happening today. Like, like most of you won't even know this. And I'm just learning more and more about it as I'm growing in it. And, and it's called, and you want to write this down, progressive Christianity. Have you heard about progressive Christianity? It is the new scary, I'm going to call it threat to the church, but it's only a threat if we're not paying attention. And it will lull you to sleep. And by the way, every church needs to pay attention that it's not finding its way into the church today. Don't allow anyone to deceive you. 
So what I want to do is I want you to, to at least know some of the thoughts on what progressive Christianity is talking about. And really, it, it's liberal Christianity. And here's the scariest thing about it, according to my research and the conversations I've had with some pastors. It's not coming from outside of the church. It's coming from within the church. Did you hear that? It's not coming from outside of the church. It's coming from within the church worldwide. Liberal Christianity. So what does this liberal Christianity, what does this progressive Christianity look like? What are, what are some indicators of it? Number one, it has a lower view of God's word. It has a lower view of God's word. This is not the final authority. And, and just think about this. My thought is just the term progressive Christianity is dangerous. As if Christianity needed to progress. As if Christianity needed to evolve into something better. Like we needed point 2.0 version, 3.0. Isn't that saying the cross isn't enough? Jesus isn't enough? And this is coming from within the church. It's a lower view of God's word to number two. It's feelings over facts. Does that surprise you? Sorry if you're one of them. One of the best costumes I saw this Halloween season was someone wrapped up in bubble wrap and it had the sign on it, millennial. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I'm just saying it was a pretty cool one. <laughs> Feeling. Feelings over facts. Another stated characteristic of progressive Christianity is uh, foundational doctrine is open to reinterpretation. foundational doctrine is open to reinterpretation which goes hand in hand with it's not God's word and it's about my feelings so my feelings can interpret the scripture over what it's really supposed to be can I just give a real quick time out on that there's a thing called absolute truth my friends and it doesn't matter whether your pastor believes it feels it or not if it's his word it's his word Another characteristic of progressive Christianity is historical terms are being redefined. And so I dug into that one. Like, what, what, like, give me some examples. The word resurrection is a metaphor now, not a fact. Are you listening? Like some of you are like this, going, oh, crud. You should be. And it's not to scare us, but it's, allow, it's, it's to make us aware. And, and the truth is... It, all joking aside, not picking on, because my generation got picked on a lot, Gen X, uh, every generation, by the way. I think <laughs> baby boomers got it the best, and they deserved it, but um, <laughs> I think I just insulted everyone in here. That's great. No. Um, but right? You know? But, but, but every generation has their thing, but really, um, who are we to redefine terms? Love is another word that they say is redefined, 
And, it, and they define it as love equals tolerance and acceptance of everyone, no matter what. <laughs> Come by, y'all. Gets really dangerous, doesn't it? And it gets very subjective. And it gets very selfish when you and I get to de decide and de determine everything based on what we feel and think. The last thing is a characteristic of this false teaching, in my opinion, is the heart of the gospel. Jesus' forgiveness, re reconciliation, the cross, the eternal life is, is, is no longer the focus. What the focus is is on social justice and making paradise of our earth now, not focused on what's to come. And like I said, I'm all for putting clothes on people that don't have clothes and food that people are, you know, and, and taking people out of uh, slavery. And all, all those things are absolutely wonderful. But if we have everyone clothed and we have everyone fed and nobody in slavery and they don't know Jesus, then so what? And we gotta make sure the gospel's the gospel. Okay. So these are some things that I think that Paul is saying what it is to have faith in Christ, and then this is what I want to close with, and I'm going to close with this quickly, but know that there's so much here that you need to delve into. Write this down. Live in Christ. So we saw what faith in Christ looked like. Now, what does it look like to live in Christ? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, right? where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So number one, we got to set our mind on the things above. What are you thinking about? The men's group that I lead on Thursday nights, fight night. If you haven't come to it, men, come to it. This Thursday, seven o'clock, upstairs, sunset room. But we talked about the discipline of the mind a few weeks ago and what garbage in, garbage out, right? So you and I, uh, part of our challenge of what it does it look like, now that I have faith in Christ Jesus, what does it look like to live it out? I need to work on my mind. What are the things I'm allowing into my mind? And, and again, just reevaluate that. And, and if there's stuff that you just need to say no to, then say no to it. Do it today. Don't watch Christianity live it. And then he says, not only uh, set your mind on the things above, and in verse chapter, uh, verse three, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on what? Earthly. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So living in Christ looks like setting your mind on, on the things above. It, it's putting to death your, your, your earthly nature or your old ways. And, and if you look at uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy uh, and dearly loved, what? What does it say? Clothe yourselves. Verse 12. Clothe yourselves with what? Let's read these together. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's say, say that again. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't know if any of you stood at your closet door this morning as you were thinking about what you were going to put on when, you know what, I should put on patience today. Uh, I should put on kindness today. I should put on humility. You were thinking, should I go long sleeve or short sleeve? 
Should I go pants, dress, skirt? Should I go shorts? What should I wear physically? But think about it. As you're putting on the physical clothes in the morning, wouldn't it be a great uh, habit to get into, discipline to get into, as you're putting on the physical clothes, to be putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, it's one thing to have faith in Christ, and it's another thing to live in Christ. And now Paul's giving the practical, putting your mind on the things above, not on the things on this earth, clothing yourself. And then, and then he will conclude with one last thing, or at least one last thing that I'm going to pay attention to today. Verse 17, he says, I join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Church, I'm excited about this verse, if you haven't, or this passage, this section of scripture, if you, ha- if you can't tell. I'm excited because not only does it allow me to put my faith where I need it to be, but it encourages me with the practical of how to do it. Amen? What are you gonna do with this? Some of you need to say yes to Jesus. And those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we need to choose to continue to say yes to Jesus by living our faith out and being a good example to those that do not know Christ. Amen? That was a fire hose. Let it change you as I need to allow it to change me. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Paul's words. Help us to be aware of false teachings. Help us to clothe ourselves. Help us to uh, be filled in all the other things that we read here today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. And your love that you've always shown.